This is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but our journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. And today we'll be talking about our experience with chemotherapy, just talking about what type of chemo regimen we were on. I had an option whether to do ACT or TC, and I decided to go towards doing TC, and I only had to do that six times every three weeks. Shauna, you can explain about your process. I did not have an option. (laughs) Which was kind of a bummer. I didn't have an option. I am doing ACT, which is kind of rough. And I had to do four of those every other week. So I finished my third and I have my fourth this coming week, followed by 12 rounds of weekly taxol after I'm done with the AC. So I have quite a bit of sessions to go. And kind of talking about like the process. So with TC, I don't have to have a port because my infusions is every three weeks. And so that gives it enough time for my arm to heal from all the poking that they do at the infusions. But for you, Shauna, you you did have to have a port. I had an option to do uh, in my arm, but because I had lymph node involvement, I had a, a second surgery to get my lymph nodes removed. And because of that, the arm that I got the lymph nodes removed, it, um, I'm not able to have my blood pressure taken on it. I'm not able to have any needles or anything in that arm. I made the conscious decision to just get a port because I didn't want to ruin the veins in like my only good arm. And AC is pretty rough on the veins from what I have heard. I did opt for a port, which aesthetically does not look nice, but as far as chemo goes, it's fantastic. I have no regrets. <laughs> Yeah, because they don't have to poke you. They just basically, what, insert the... Yeah, I get poked once and it stays there and then they have, you know, it hooks up to whatever bag of drugs they want to give me at that Mm -hmm. time. And it's like one little pinch. It doesn't hurt at all. I can get blood drawn from it. It's just like, it's a one-stop shop over there. (laughs) When I was younger, I used to be afraid of getting my blood drawn But since this experience, I am not afraid. I think it makes the process just a little bit better just because I, you know, I'm not afraid to get poked. Yeah. This whole experience has just been like, we're poked and prodded so much that now it's it's not even an issue. And I have really good veins. There was actually this one time during my IVF process, I had to get poked on my hand and that was the worst experience. But for this infusion, I get poked like on my forearm, which isn't as bad as getting poked on your hands. For my lymph node surgery, they tried to go in through my hands and they couldn't find a good vein or like, I don't know if it was, they just couldn't find a good vein or if nurse was just like inexperienced doing it in the hand, but uh, it was a mess. I was like um, bleeding all down crazy. my arm and like, it was a disaster. Did they do it incorrectly? Yeah. And they had to go and then they ended up 
I think the guy just couldn't get it in. I don't know what had happened, but they ended up going in through my arm. But my thing is, I've never had an issue getting blood as long as I can watch. Yes, same. Like, I have to watch. If I expect it, I'm yep. good. I just need to see it. I was fine with that, but I don't like when I have the needle and I keep my arm straight the whole time. And I know you can bend it, but I same. can't do it. So I feel like for me, it was going to be between cold capping and then, you know, because of the cold capping well we could talk about that in a minute but you know you're there for way longer than you would be if you weren't cold capping so i was just like if i have to sit with my arms straight for five hours and not move i'm just going to be even more uncomfortable than i already am and so that's also why i also opted yeah no, that makes sense <laughs> i also like yeah. to have my arms straight too but yeah just yeah. what you mentioned shauna we could just talk about the cold capping I mean, I can kind of explain one of the reasons why I chose to do TC. One is because I didn't want to do ACT because I heard that's really harmful to your body. But also my oncologist was mentioning that if I do ACT, I shouldn't do cold capping because I'm going to end up losing all of my hair, which I think is ironic because Shauna is doing cold capping with ACT and she still has a lot of hair on their head. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been fortunate. I know. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know what cold capping is, um, it is a cap that connects to a machine at your infusion centers that gets freezing cold. And the idea of this is, is that you wear it before you have to do like a pre-cooling before your infusion. And then while you're getting your chemo drugs, and then I have to do 90 minutes after my chemo is done. It's like a post-cooling. The idea of this cap is to freeze the follicle, prevents the medicine from getting to your scalp. So it freezes the follicles and keeps them from dying. And there's a couple of different companies. I'm using Paxman. Rosalina is using DigiCap, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's another one, Arctic, and there's another one, Penguin. It really kind of all depends on what your infusion centers, which companies that they use. I didn't have like an option to pick, but it prevents the follicle from dying. And it actually is proven to also help your hair grow faster after chemo. So some people have like amazing results. There's people in the cold capping groups that lost no hair, 10%, 20%. Then there's people that lost all of their hair, 90%, you know. 80% some people just ended up shaving it and so everyone's results I think vary but it also varies because certain drugs are harsher the AC is very very harsh with the cold capping people don't have great results but then Taxil is like one of the drugs that's not as I guess maybe potent so you don't have a ton of hair loss some people have also reported that they've had hair growth on it so I think it does vary from person to person and your drug regimen yeah for sure. and with the chemo regimens that we're doing that's just not not the only option. There are more chemo regimens as well, depending on what type of cancer you have. That's just another thing to point out. But in regards to cold capping, it is pretty expensive. And most certain may not cover that cost. For example, for me, Dignicap basically would cost me around 3500 And so you know, that's <laughs> 3500 out of my pocket plus all of the other expenses I need to pay for my medical bills. I don't know about you, Shauna, like what was the price for yours? Paxman maxes out at 2200 
after the 2200 I don't pay anymore. But my infusion center charges a fee as well. Every time I use the cap, I think it's a $75 fee. So it does add up. I have to do 16 rounds. So that adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. And I have to do six rounds at my center, I actually have a rep that puts on the cap for me and make sure that everything is smooth and, you know, it's working, of course. So I think for you, Shauna, you have Matt do it for you. Yeah. So when I got my kit, my kit came with um, the cap, the helmet that goes technically over the cap. It came with a hairbrush, shampoo and conditioner, a towel, and a headband, I believe. With that, it comes with a manual, and you go online and watch how to put it on. And so we did some like practice rounds before I went. But the nurses do help you. They just can't put it on for you. And also, just to note, this is like totally an optional thing. This is not something that like you have to do. I did it because I felt like I lost a lot with this cancer diagnosis. And I honestly felt like I would be more upset if I lost my hair. I actually was more upset about losing my hair than I was about losing my breasts, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I was the same way. My hair is a part of my identity. It's just a part of who I am. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I see is my hair. When I change and put clothes on and try to make sure that like, you know, I look good, my hair basically says, whether the outfit looks great or not. Yeah, definitely. And for me, I think it was more of like, I didn't want to look sick. I didn't want people to look at me and know I was sick. I didn't want to be bald. I didn't want, you know, it was screaming, I have cancer. She's sick. That was a really hard thing for me. And I I was very upset about it. That's what really made me you know, choose cold capping. And with my regimen, you know, the numbers aren't as good as far as for cold capping, like how well it would work or not. And I was like, I still want to try it. I still want to save the follicle because even if I if I do lose it, it will grow back faster. And like, yeah. so I kind of went into it being like, it's going to be a win win, even if it doesn't work. It's an optional thing. Some people I mean, I know women that have done it and rocked it so well. I just don't think I have like the confidence to do it. Yeah, it's another thing where we have heavy hair shedding. Sometimes that could be a lot for someone where you're constantly shedding and you're constantly have to like pick up your hair and your hair is all over your clothes and it could be really annoying. That's just another thing to think about is do you want to deal with that? Yeah. And and with the cold capping, I mean, you have to really baby your hair. I mean, you have to you have to use special brushes and lightly brush it and start from the bottom. You can only wash your hair once a week. They recommend once a week. Some people, I guess, can do it twice. But the recommended is once a week. No high ponytails. You don't want any tension because you don't want to be pulling on the hair. So like low ponytails or like loose braids or loose ponytails. They recommend you sleep with like a satin or a silk pillowcase. I mean, it, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's not easy. It's just like I'm constantly thinking about my hair going outside. Is it too hot outside? You're trying to keep your scalp as cool as possible. You can only wash with cold water because you're trying to keep the scalp as cool as possible. I mean, it's, it is like, it's a lot. <laughs> and it's also a lot when you wake up that morning and when you brush your hair, that's when you see all yeah. of the shedding happening just dealing with losing your hair that way is just another hardship. That's why, you know, we're mentioning it's optional because it's, it's yeah, and it creates process. a lot of anxiety because the results are not so black and white. Every person is different. So it's like, 
you're having heavy shedding and you're like, oh my God, am I losing it? Am I going to be bald? Am I going to have major bald spots or am I going to be losing the top crown of my hair? You know, like all the hair on the crown of my head. It is like high anxiety. Like I have my wash day, my once a week wash days tomorrow and I'm anxious now. Just like thinking about what's going to be at the bottom of that sink when I wash it. Yeah, just kind of talking about currently how our hair is. I would say that previously I have really thick, wavy, curly hair, and it's pretty long. I came to this knowing that I possibly can lose hair. I can possibly lose majority of my hair. But as I mentioned before, it's a part of my identity and it's something that, you know, (laughs) is a part of me. And so I wanted to keep my hair. Now, kind of going into this, I didn't start losing lots of hair until 14 days after my first infusion. And so with Dignacap, they basically say that you're having shedding starts from like 14 to 21 days after your first chemo. Yeah, I think by like day 14, I started losing a lot. And I definitely panicked for sure. I panicked. I was in tears. I was crying. I felt like I was losing a part of me. Yeah, there's definitely a a sense of hope. But there's also too, we chose to cold cap because we wanted to have some sort of sense of control in this entire situation. You know, like we had to have surgery, breast surgery to remove cancer. We didn't have an option for that. We did that. We had an option, but really didn't have an option. Like our egg retrievals, like, you know, if we ever wanted to have kids, that was like a solid chance to do that, you know, but again, not something I wanted to have to do. This was like my sense of control. If I, if I can keep my hair, I'm in control of that. You know, I can do this and make that choice and to want to have a sense of control and then to see the one thing that you can control by cold capping and trying to keep it is not working. It's, it's devastating. Kind of talking about your shedding moments, you're doing ACT. That's like the hardest drug. How's your hair doing? I've probably lost about 60%. It's hard to say because of my double mastectomy, two egg retrievals, and then my lymph node surgery. And also I had gotten off my birth control that I was on for 17 years, maybe, I guess. I was having a lot of hair shedding because of the anesthesia from the procedures and surgeries. And I think also there was a hormone change in my body from stopping birth control. So I was having some crazy shedding even before I started cold capping. I have like a kind of a long bob. It's probably a little longer than my shoulders. And I have very fine hair, but I have a lot of it. It's kind of hard to say like what I lost even before from like when I started this journey in January of 2021. From January till now, I probably lost about 40, maybe 45% of it. It's kind of hard to pinpoint. Was it worth it to us to cold cap what was the results of like how much we lost our hair and did we think it was even worth it in the long run? Yeah. We'll give updates post chemo, let you know if we have really fast hair growth or, you know, even the the care of it, like when we're able to dye our hair again or just feel comfortable putting it up in a messy bun. I dream of that day. Just have my hair out like that wavy style or I'll just have it in a high bun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's either on the top of my head or I have it down and my hair is straightened. I just can blow dry it and don't even have to straighten it. So I'm good to go for the day. But I just miss of like the carefree of like just being able to do whatever I want with my hair and can't wait to get and to that just point. The luxury of blow drying and like curling your hair. Uh, I just miss that. 
I think I'll even sleep better not feeling so self-conscious about like moving around and then not, you know, trying to have like the least amount of friction. And I don't know. I just, I also just don't like sleeping with a low pony. It's bothering me. In preparation for chemo. So I started mid to end of May. So that was my first infusion. We started the same week. Yeah, actually we did. We did. I started on a Monday. You started on the Thursday Thursday of the same week. Yes. You decide when you want to have your infusion. And they say that your third to fourth day is your like worst days. And so I chose a Thursday because I wanted the weekend to just rest up because I work a nine to five job during the weekday, right? When I work on Monday, I want to be slightly better so I can focus and be, you know, my authentic self as much as I can be on a call at my job. But that was why I chose Thursday. Did you I chose Monday because anybody who knows me, I just hate Mondays so much. And I was kind of like, this is a terrible thing to have to do anyway. So might as well do it on the worst day of the week. And (laughs) then I can maybe have some sense of normalcy on the weekends, you know, because I have friends that work during the week and it would be nice to be able to to socialize. I'm not working now. So I was, you know, able to to do Mm -hmm. it um, on a Monday, just kind of get it over with in the beginning of the week. Whatever days work for you guys. Yeah, they give you the option. They'll ask you what day you want to do it. But also know that it would take the entire day. If you work a nine to five job or just work at all, like you need to take that day off. And well, with the cold capping, definitely. That will add about in two and a half, three hours onto your, your appointment time. Yes. And the reason for that is because after the infusion stops, still need to cold cap after that. And it's not a temperature where it's like super cold for me, at least. It's just to cool your hair follicles. So that was just my experience. Is that the same for you, Shauna? Do you want to know what I think at that point? I mean, the first 10 minutes are really uncomfortable. I don't know if you feel the same. Like it's pretty uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. You're just your head's killing you. And it's less probably I'd say like 10 minutes and then you do get used to it pretty quickly. I don't know if your head is just numb or if it's just like a sensation you just get used to. So I've had three treatments. The last two treatments I've slept at the end. Maybe that's also why I just haven't noticed like a temperature change. But we are using two different caps. So your cooling thing might be a different temperature than mine. As far as picking our days, now getting into how we actually prepared. My boyfriend's parents were really nice and they sent me a blanket. Really nice and cozy blanket. So I packed that. So I also packed ice mitts for my hands and feet. I packed a book, packed my headphones, packed water, packed Ativan, which helps with your anxiety. I think that was it from what I packed. I mean, I also wore long sleeves and like a sweater because I knew that I was probably going to be like really cold during the infusion. But what did you pack? I brought like so much stuff to my first chemo. So I bought the hand mitts and the feet mitts, but I didn't have to use them. So it was like I brought a cooler because I had frozen all the the inserts like the night before. So I brought a cooler with like all this stuff that I didn't even need my first round. I bought a blanket. I bought 
the best purchase I made is I I bought the Comfy, which is this huge oversized fleece blanket sweatshirt dress. It's obscene. It's in oh, like yes. it is so unnecessary, but the best thing that I bought. It is so comfortable. Yeah, I did buy it, but when my boyfriend's parents gave me that blanket, I was like, okay, well, I I shouldn't have both. <laughs> But I'm guessing you did both. Yeah, I did both. I did both. I brought a pair of fuzzy socks with me. I had hit the support groups to kind of see what other people were packing before. And somebody told me to bring hard candy to suck on. So oh, I yes. bought like Jolly, yeah, Jolly Ranchers. Too. Yep. Oh, Jolly Ranchers. Um, no, I, I brought uh, like ginger juice. So yeah, somebody had mentioned that, but somebody also said just like hard candy. And I was like, all right, we're going to go Jolly Rancher. So I brought that. I brought a, my computer thinking like maybe I'll watch a movie on it. I brought, what else? Snacks. All like my favorite comfort food snacks. And I brought a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> During the week of my infusion, I do this diet called fast mimicking diet. And from what I read online, it basically tells your body to fast, but you're giving it enough food for it to say like, okay, I'm fasting, but then I have enough nutrients. You're maintaining your healthy cells when you have the infusions, like supposedly it would just like kill your cancer cells. So what happened was I basically asked my oncologist about fasting. Is this true? Like, can you fast? on infusion days and she basically told me that one of her patients did a fast mimicking diet it restricts calories for a set time period it is a plant-based diet so you're mostly eating soups vegetables fasting bars chamomile tea etc it is high fat and low calorie and you do this for five days you can order a prepackaged meal plan called Prolon Fasting Mimicking Diet, which I believe is $200 per package. So obviously that was a lot of money for me since I was doing my infusions six times. Instead, I followed this blog called Quantified Bob, and I'll just put it in the show notes. And I created a DIY and following his step-by-step of how he created his meal plan. And he also created an Excel sheet on how he calculated his weight and the percentage of protein, fats, and carbs you're able to eat for each day. For the first day, day one, that's going to be where you eat the most quote-unquote calories. And then it cuts even more for the second to fifth day. One of the reasons why I was interested in this fast mimicking diet is because just from reading online, and this is kind of, you know, my partake on it. And also my oncologist did mention that her patient also participated in fast mimicking diet. So she was okay with me doing that during my cumulative infusions. But I read that, you know, by cutting your daily calories in half, it claims that it reduces your biomarkers for aging, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. 
So essentially you're feeding, you know, your healthy cells, but then your body goes into like, not really shock mode, but it understands that it's fasting. From what I think happens when I go in and and get my infusion, I believe what happens is that because I'm not feeding my body the normal daily calories that I need on a daily basis, I'm basically starving my cancer cells. And hopefully with the chemo, it destroys that cancer cells. So that's why I participated in the fast mimicking diet. You know, there's like tons of other benefits, as I mentioned, and I will link blogs and articles that I found online as well. My first infusion, we live so close. We live like 10 to 15 minutes from the infusion place. So my boyfriend just brought over soup. That was for my first infusion. And for my second, I just brought fasting bar. So I didn't have that luxury to, you know, bring (laughs) a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Yeah. Anything that was like easy that I could pack, you know, like especially snacks and stuff. Like I just, and I packed like two so that like my boyfriend could also have snacks too. And it just seemed like something easy, especially for the first one. I also just like love a good peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Except for I don't like jelly. (laughs) Really? Well, yeah. So I like blueberry jam on it, like blueberry jam and peanut butter. I'm not like a grape jelly fan. I'll do strawberry or blueberry, but my go-to is peanut butter and banana sandwiches. You know, that I think that's gross. <laughs> oh my God. It's the best. It's I could eat that every day, all day. See, I can eat just that, plain peanut yeah, butter. Yeah, I could live off that. On a bread, obviously, but yeah. Oh, me, I could do that <laughs> Like too. peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm also like, I'm a huge fan of sun butter. I like have a a nanny kid that was pretty allergic to to nuts and they started using sun butter and I actually like it better than peanut butter now. So Mm. yeah, good sun butter and jelly or sun butter and banana. Oh, I could ever. Is it better than, than I'm not the biggest fan of almond butter. I've done like other nut butters that I was kind of like, ah, this is fine. But almonds like not my favorite at all. So it's, I don't know. I like it, but I love peanut butter and I like it better than peanut butter. Mm, Okay. (laughs) So basically what you're saying is that peanut butter and jelly was your savior in a way that day or no? You know, like your first day of school. I think it was kind of just like a comfort food for me. And it was just also easy and like I could throw it in my bag. Right. My mom, who's from New Jersey, flew all the way to Los Angeles to be with me for my first infusion. So that was really nice because she couldn't be here during my surgery. COVID times, she wasn't vaccinated yet. I was not okay for her to come. (laughs) She's in her early 60s. I would feel guilty if something happened to her. She got vaccinated and... I told her my first infusion, you can definitely come. I would love for you to be here. You need your mom (laughs) sometimes or all the time if you're really close to your mom. But it was really nice because I can be vulnerable. I knew that she was there for me and I knew that she could do whatever I needed at that time instead of putting everything on my boyfriend who's been helping me throughout this process. But I think it was really time for my mom to be there for me and she she wanted to be there throughout this whole time but you know during COVID times it's it's pretty difficult but 
with your first infusion, who was there with you? I brought my boyfriend with me. He just had gone to all the other appointments with me. He's just, he was like perfect to go with for my first one. Felt like super comfortable. I don't have a relationship with my mom, but I have like a very strong relationship with my dad and my siblings. And I don't know. I just kind of felt like, let me get through the first one. And then after that, I'm more comfortable with other people coming. Matt's been my rock through this. He was like a person to go with. Yeah, that's nice. He was like the best choice. So waking up that morning, like what were you feeling? I was like, this sucks. Kind of kept saying that the night before too. Like, I was just like, this sucks. You want it to already be done before you even started. That's how I felt. I was just kind of like, all right, let's do this, I guess. <laughs> I was definitely very focused. I didn't want to leave anything behind. I had that mentality of just go, go, go. And I didn't really have any emotions yet until I entered the infusion center. That's when things started to become real and scary and not knowing what to expect. Yeah, I cried. I cried when I got there. I've actually cried through all three of my infusions. At least I like cried once at least. And you cried before getting hooked up? During? The first one I cried during. It was my first time with the cold cap, so that was different. And just, they were just rattling off so much information all at once. It was just kind of like a whole whirlwind going in there. I just, I don't know. I got like very upset. I just like wasn't retaining anything and just sitting there. And I think my reality kind of like hit that I was like, this is actually my life right now and this is happening. My second one, I got really upset when Matt was putting the cold cap on. It was like pulling and like, because the back of my helmet, you have to like almost like lace it and like pull the laces. And it was just so much pulling and my head was rocking back and forth. The nurse that, was my nurse that day was like not familiar with the cold caps. So like she couldn't really help. And I lost my mind. I just hysterically cried. And then the third, I started to not feel good. That's what it was. I think I just like started to feel crummy and just wanted the cap off and was like over it. And then I started to cry that, that third session. Yeah. For my first one, I had a little private section, which I liked. I didn't see anyone else in there. I, I didn't want to see anyone else. But when I sat on the chair, I just got everything ready. said it to myself, like, I can't believe this is my life. And this is what I'm going through, especially at age 28. And I think it was also hard for my mom to see this too, because she would never think of her daughter going through this at a young age. I didn't cry, but I was definitely having anxiety, but I didn't show it. <laughs> and I wanted to know everything that they're going to do to me, all the meds that I'm going to get, like I wanted to know everything. So I was asking a lot of questions and I wanted to make sure that everything is going smoothly and also reminding them that like I need to ice my hands and feet. Yeah, it, it was a huge process actually for the first infusion. So I came around eight and I didn't finish until like three. So you guys know that it takes a long time. My first fusion was 11. I think we got out of there at like 4.30. You, when you were like, I'm 28 dealing with this. I kept thinking like, I can't believe like young kids have to do this, like babies and toddlers. That's what I kept thinking too. Like, this is so terrible and little kids have to do this. My infusion center wasn't full, but I was definitely the youngest person walking in there. And again, it was like, it's the same feeling I felt walking into my breast surgeon's waiting room and being, looking around and being like, I'm the youngest person here. It was the same, same thing, same feeling. That was again, like a hard moment of being like, you know, there's nobody there like my age, like that I can even like relate to. 
that's what like I've struggled with this so much is because it's supposedly, you know, uncommon for people our age to even have cancer. And that's the thing, like, that's what you just mentioned. When you walk into the center, you don't see young people, you see older people. And so it's pretty hard to relate to them. It's not supposed to happen this early age. No, especially breast cancer. No, not at all. It's not. I know. So that was tough. Then, like, again, then it's like they're coming in and it's like, okay, time for your Zolodex shot. Let's put the new Lesta on. You're not sitting there and, like, sleeping for a long period of time. They're coming in. They're changing things. They're checking on you. Did you get a Zolodex shot? So I got Lupron, which is similar. Lupron. Yep. Okay. So for those that don't know, these are drugs that basically technically put your ovaries to sleep so the chemo doesn't damage your ovaries. It's technically also a hormone therapy. I'll have to get them for every month for five years. It suppresses your ovaries. So basically, you're put into menopause. Both my medical oncologist and my fertility doctor agreed that it is recommended to start ovarian suppression, so the Lupron shot or the Zolodex shot, once you start chemotherapy so you can preserve your fertility. Yes, many might say, well, you've already preserved your eggs and now they're frozen. So then you did that before chemotherapy. However, it is another step that some of the doctors may recommend to also just for safety measures to preserve your fertility because once you're doing chemotherapy and it can affect your ovaries and reduce the number of quality eggs, which therefore would make it difficult to get pregnant. With the Lupron shot, that I'm doing it's every four weeks did it the first day of the infusion but it's actually not lining up when I have to do my infusion it's actually like the week after so you know I have my infusion on like week three and I need to have my Lupron shot on like week four I have to do it every 28 days so I think I don't know how that lines up I have to look at a calendar actually Because at that point, I'll be going weekly anyway. So I doubt they'll make me come in two times. But yeah, so they give you that in your stomach. Mine is in the back, upper butt area. (laughs) So also, too, before you leave, they put the new Lasta shot on the back of your arm, right? So you do get yours in the back. Some people go in the next day to get it done. No, I get it the same day. Yeah, so I get it the same day, too. So that goes on the back of your arm and pricks you. It doesn't really hurt. I, I don't think it hurts. For the first time, I didn't know what to expect. And the nurse was like, okay, ready? And then she counted down. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, I don't like this. I don't like that you count down. (laughs) You wear it home and it goes off 27 hours. I think it's 27 hours after it's put on. And it injects medicine into you. And that helps keep your white blood cells up. The side effects though with Nulasta is muscle pain. So that is something that you would start feeling next day. They said bone, they have major bone pain on it. Um, But they tell you to preventatively take Claritin to help with it. They don't have no like research on why it helps, but it helps. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Taking Claritin every day. I also take ibuprofen. 
as mm-hmm. well, like every six hours. Yeah. Just to prevent any pain I go through with my second infusion, I did that. And even though my symptom was a bit different, this time around, I had more muscle pain on my upper back and my neck and my cheeks. Like even when I like touched my cheek, it was, it just hurt. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. I had weird jaw pains. Yeah. And so I would just take ibuprofen like every six hours. And so I feel like that kind of helped. I felt the second infusion was a little bit better. But for my first infusion, like I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I had an idea, but not fully. And so I was taking Tylenol every six hours. But when I was talking to my oncologist, when I met with her the week after, she mentioned to take ibuprofen because it was um, a better drug than Tylenol. So for my second infusion, I took ibuprofen instead. And so I think that helped. Yeah, I didn't take any any of that, but um, I was taking Excedrin for headaches. And so that helped for you? It helped for the headaches, definitely, because those have caffeine in it, and I think it just helped. But that was the probably the worst side effect that I had after my treatment. Yeah, I would say I constantly had headaches, too. After the first infusion, I had a headache for seven days straight. And then in the morning, I would just take the Excedrin. And then by the following week, it was it was there, but not like as bad as it was the day of treatment weeks. It's pretty bad. And stomach issues and um, like acid reflux. And it kind of just felt like the worst hangover I've ever had, really. So for my first infusion, I was taking a stool softener. It had like diarrhea in a way. And so if it's uncontrollable, you could take medication for it. So that's something that they mentioned that, you know, it could be a side effect that could happen. I didn't have that. But I was also taking um, the anti-nausea meds like preventatively. So for my first night home, after my first infusion, I immediately started on the the anti-nausea just because I didn't want to feel it. So I just like preventatively took it and that causes like a lot of constipation. And so I didn't have any like stomach issues like that, but like my stomach, I was like in pain. Like it just felt hard as a rock and I didn't feel that bloated, but I felt like it just felt like I had a rock in my stomach, like just hard and just stomach pain. Like it just, I was like really uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that. It was just more of a slight pain when I felt like I had diarrhea. So that was the only type of pain I felt with my stomach, but I did feel more like joint pain in my lower legs. And that was constant. The third, the fourth day, the fifth day, felt like it wasn't stopping. I didn't have the pain, but I had the, my joints were clicking. Everything was clicking, my bones. Like I would walk and it would be like a clicking sound. It was, yeah, it was, it was, really weird i would cringe walking i'd be like i like, can't believe my bones sound yeah, like this yeah that's weird but you mentioned with the anti-nausea every morning if i felt slightly dizzy or nauseous i would just take that shit <laughs> oh yeah so fran is key like even if you feel slightly like just take it you're already feeling miserable you don't need to be any more miserable yeah exactly What other medication? I think that's, oh, for my first infusion, another symptom I had was mouth sore. 
before my infusion, I did oil pooling. It's gross and disgusting. And I stopped doing it because <laughs> I couldn't bear, I couldn't bear the freaking coconut oil in my mouth. So I stopped doing that. Yeah, my first infusion, I had a mouth sore and some roughness on my tongue. The fifth day and on and just a little bit of numbness in the middle of my tongue but then that went away and so I could like still taste food <laughs> with my second infusion I didn't have a mouth sore so that's a win but again I did have that numbness in the middle of my tongue on day five yeah I didn't have any mouth sores, luckily. I did have the roughness of my tongue. Now that you've said it, maybe I just like couldn't pinpoint what I was feeling, but that's like the perfect way to explain it. But I didn't have like a bad taste in my mouth, but nothing tasted like great. Nothing was appetizing. I would eat and just nothing was good. I think for like both in the first and the second infusion, I ate just watermelon every day all day like I, when I was hungry that's what I would eat because I was like getting the hydration from that and I was still like getting something in my stomach which was good and it was just like such a bland taste anyway so it, it didn't bother me and like a little sweet which was good but literally that's like what I lived on I lost like four pounds four pounds in a week the second infusion yeah I didn't have that issue after my fast baking diet ended on day five was able to eat normal food again and I had no trouble eating you know what I craved or anything of course like what like in my fridge I didn't have any issues with that I was just feeling also so crummy that like nothing just nothing I didn't want anything in particular there was a couple nights where like I was able to stomach salad which was fine even like grilled chicken I like I had a couple pieces I was like I don't even want this like I don't you know and that's like not like a ton of flavor or anything but after the third infusion I had some pasta and some sauce and then instantly got heartburn from the tomato sauce and I was like I'm not doing that again oh wow yeah that was like a the heartburn for me has been pretty bad I've been on an anti-acid for almost daily now did they say like why you're getting heartburns it's just just from the Infusion? That's a symptom. Yeah, it's a symptom okay. of the chemo drug. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And stomach pains and things like that are all symptoms. I remember my first heartburn <laughs> like two years ago and it was not fun. Oh no. And this is now every day. Every yeah. day. It's definitely caused some like major GI issues for me, which I'm hoping when I start Taxil, it won't be terrible. So are you feeling fatigue as well i know that's one of the side effects so the too. first four days after my treatment are the worst for me i just feel the worst hangover don't i can't get out of bed day two and three it's pretty bad but i try to like make sure i get up and i'm walking and or i'll take the dog out or like just try to like get up and be doing something even if i can't do like a workout like can't get out the peloton those days once I get past that, like this is my off week right now from chemo and I did a bunch of stuff today. And then like by two or three o'clock, I was like, I kind of need a nap on my good days. I'm not rocked. Like I'm not like I need to nap in the middle of the day. I've maintained some pretty good energy on my good days, my bad days. My whole goal is just get through the day. So if I need to nap, I let myself nap. If I need to get myself moving, I get myself moving. I just kind of like Whatever I can do to cope on those days, I do it. So you don't have a specific day where you feel great? I want to say by the weekend, I feel more normal on the, the weeks that I have infusions. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I would say for me, it takes about a week to feel like myself again. Because then I get like the roughness on my tongue and like (laughs) day five, day six. And I'm like, oh my God, when is this going to end? And so by like day seven is is when everything goes back to normal almost. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that this is what it was going to be like? Or is it different than what you imagined it to be like? Or all the symptoms and like how you're feeling? Like, did you think it was going to be worse? Do you think it was going to be better? Do you think you felt like you were right on on point for how you're feeling? Yes, I was definitely terrified with what like what the symptoms I'm probably going to have after chemo. One of the major ones I was definitely terrified with was neuropathy. And thank goodness, till this day, I didn't have any with joint pain. I didn't know how I would feel with that. I was definitely like terrified of that too. So I think it was a little bit different, like in the sense of where the joint pains were. Like I didn't know if it was like my whole entire body is going to feel pain or my arms. But now knowing from my first and second infusion, it differs. My first infusion, I felt like joint pain on my lower legs. And for my second infusion, I felt muscle pain in my upper back towards my neck, towards my cheeks. That is something I didn't expect. And then like the roughness on my tongue as well. I didn't expect either. With the mouth sores, I did expect like, that's why I was trying to do the oil pooling. And obviously that was successful for me. Purchasing toothpaste, does it have fluoride? I definitely purchased a lot of things off of Amazon because I want to prevent any symptom that I felt. One other thing I would say is fatigue. I haven't felt any sense of fatigue yet. You know, I think like growing up and I can seeing somebody who has cancer in movies and you see them like puking in the toilet. I thought maybe I would be more sick than I actually am. But luckily, like the meds are so great that I don't feel that I haven't experienced that at all. I think it's basically what I thought. I mean, it sucks just as bad as I imagined it to. I thought I would be sleeping more. I'm not. So that's also like a plus. Right. I thought I would be sleeping more too. Yeah, that's that's a good call. Yeah, and I'm not. But I think also too, because we're on the younger side, I think it's it just hits us different than it would like our parents' age, you know? And I think like in my day-to-day and your day-to-day, we're pretty active. So I think that that kind of helps a little bit too. But yeah, I'd say it sucks as bad as I imagined it would. But like, did you expect to eat less? I don't know, because I think I in the beginning thought like, well, at least I'll lose a ton of weight on chemotherapy. And then like hitting hitting those support groups, everyone's like basically like going to college and getting your freshman 15. It's like basically that like everyone seems to gain 15 to 20 pounds on chemo because I was like, I, you know, it's bad enough. Like I had to lose my breasts. Now I'm going to gain 20 pounds. Yeah, that's that's actually another thing. I was terrified of knowing that I could gain weight. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Last year, you know, I was trying to take care of my health and I lost weight and I feel great. And now you're telling me that I'm going to gain all this back. I don't want that. Yeah. And then also being on the, on the hormones, like the, you know, the Zolodex or your Lupron, you know, I was like, all right, great. I'm going to like get out of this experience and 
be heavy on top of everything else, but (laughs) already sitting there trying to like figure out how to go into my oncologist's office on Monday when I see her and be like, can we like tone down the steroids a little bit so that I don't gain any weight? But at the same time, like I don't want to feel miserable. So kind of had a feeling I wouldn't have that big of an appetite when I don't feel good in general. I don't have that big of an appetite. So that is probably about what I thought too. Like I I think I just kind of knew like I wasn't going to be like overeating. Yeah. I was definitely also afraid of the steroids because you can gain weight from that. So I was trying to ask my oncologist, like, can we lower the dose? Yeah, now that I know that it's not big of a dose, I'm fine with taking it. All right, so we've encountered our, well, my first and second chemo infusion and you've encountered your third, almost fourth of AC. Yeah. I'm almost done with AC. Thank God. God. I'm like, any milestone like that, I think is helpful in this journey. Just being like, oh, okay, four done or, you know, just, I mean, you're, you're a third of the way done. Yeah. So I basically was telling my oncologist, like, I don't even feel I've made any progress. <laughs> she was like, what DP you have? And I said, no, I feel like I did it. When I have my third infusion, that's when I feel like I've made progress because that's when I can say I'm halfway there. You'll be halfway yes. there. Yeah, I, I think I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to be measuring mine in four since I have 16 sessions that I have to do. So since the beginning, getting through AC has been like my biggest mentally like, let me just get through the first four. And I've said that's like multiple people. Like, let me get through the first four. If I can get through the first four, hopefully Taxol will be a breeze because a lot of people have a really mm-hmm. good experience compared to AC. You know, they say it's a breeze. So, you know, I think from the beginning, I'm like, let me just get through the first four. Yeah. And I think too, for my cold calving journey, like if I can get past the fourth and still maintain a, a majority of my hair, I'll be in good shape. So let me just get through the fourth. That's it. We're going to celebrate. Yes, we are. There's going to be a very special episode. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's going to be me crying tears of joy. I mean, hey. (laughs) Right? Whatever gets us through. Exactly. So that is a wrap on our first rounds of chemo. And we will be posting new episodes on Thursdays. So hopefully see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening to our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at T-Y-F-T-S podcast. And our email is T-Y-F-T-S podcast at gmail.com. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes.